0: Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Are you itching to get a bit more dirt under your fingernails during the cold, wet months ahead? Do it indoors, growing microgreens. Some call it garden confetti, but microgreens are a perfect topping for salad, soups, stews, tacos, and a lot more. So what's exactly in microgreens? They're leaves, small, young leaves, colorful leaves of vegetables, herbs, and flowers that pack a wallop of good nutrition. Plus, they grow quickly and easily. Master gardener and vegetable expert Gail Pothour has all the tips you need to get your microgreens garden off to a great start in a sunny window or even on an out-of-the-way desktop aided by some small grow lights. We're growing microgreens. It's episode 63 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast brought to you by Smart Pots, and we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. For the beginning gardener, microgreens are an easy way to start a hobby of growing vegetables indoors. And with the cooler weather, yeah, let's let's do a little indoor gardening. What are microgreens, you ask? Well, that's why we're talking with Master Gardener Gail Pothour. She is very knowledgeable about microgreens. And uh, Gail, That what a great way to get the whole family involved in uh, doing some indoor gardening, because when you grow microgreens, they grow fast.
1: Oh, yeah. They Depending on what it is you're growing, and we can talk about the varieties in a few minutes, but they can be harvested a week after you plant them, a couple weeks after you plant them. So it's a great activity to have with kids because it's quick they're different they look different than plants growing out in the garden and it's just kind of fun they and it's a quick reward you know you grow it in a week or two you've harvested them and then they're cute little things that you're eating
0: and and this isn't a main course i I like how the university of florida described it in their uh, information on microgreens they describe it as vegetable confetti
1: Right, and it's a, I like to describe it as house plants that you can eat.
0: <laughs> yeah, and basically it's it's a, it's a garnish, but you can put it in what Soup, stews, salads, sandwiches. Yeah, so you, you fill can a taco it with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, a taco would be great. Or if you did like a spring roll or something, you know, instead of using sprouts, you could use uh, microgreens. Um, great on appetizers. I just they're fun to use. They are tasty, and um, yeah, I like to use them in a salad. That's mostly how I use them.
0: There are a lot of great charts and information about growing microgreens. We'll have a very thorough list in the notes for today's episode of Garden Basics. One of the best is from Johnny's Seeds, and they have a very nice chart of microgreen varieties and uh, how long they take to grow. And uh, their flavor and uh, their color because you might as well make it pretty, mix up the colors.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the colors are very intense. So, if you're growing something like a red cabbage or beet or something like that, that have really colorful stems and leaves, the color seems to be a little more intense uh, when they're at the tiny little first leaf stage. So, it, it adds a lot of color to wherever, whatever you're eating. They're very tasty as well.
0: I think we should point out right off the bat here that when we're saying microgreens, we're not just talking about leafy greens. We're talking about a wide range of herbs, flowers, vegetables that you can grow on a sunny windowsill.
1: Right. And not to be confused with sprouts, which are grown in water. Uh, Microgreens are actually grown in a potting media, like a potting soil or a germination mix. And after about a week or two, after the cotyledon comes up, which is the first little seed leaf uh, and then you get the first true leaf that's when you would harvest them you just give them a haircut right above the soil line and so yeah they're different than sprouts they're also different than baby green baby greens were something you would grow to a little larger stage like lettuce or spinach you'd grow it until it looks more like the mature plant only still small and then you harvest that so microgreens are kind of in between the sprouts and the baby greens in size
0: and what surprised me, a lot of these references uh, mention that lettuce isn't a particularly good uh, subject for microgreens, is it?
1: No, because they're really tender and wilt easily. So they actually work better as baby greens where you can harvest a few of the, the leaves that look more like the mature leaf, only they're still tender. So they're delicious and tender, but they're almost too tender to use as microgreens.
0: They're delicious. They're tender. And let's talk about the nutrition in in microgreens. It's amazing.
1: Oh, absolutely. There was um, a study done several years ago by the University of Maryland and the U.S. Department of Agriculture that showed that microgreens can contain four to 40 times more nutrients than their mature counterparts. And I know that there's still ongoing research to determine you know, if that's accurate or um, the different values in the different um, crops. But they are very nutritious, and they're tasty, and they're easy to grow, and I'd say give them a try. They're absolutely fun to grow.
0: In the Journal of Food and Agriculture, they measured the nutrient value of 25 microgreens, and their study showed that the ones that had the highest concentration of a lot of good nutrition included red cabbage cilantro garnet amaranth and green daikon radish they had the most vitamin c but i guess gail before we uh, go much further let's talk about the setup for growing microgreens and we're going to be talking about a lot of different herbs and vegetables and flowers that you can grow on a sunny windowsill so as long as you've got kind of a sunny spot maybe a south or a west facing window you can set up your own little kitchen farm
1: right and because the microgreens grow so quickly the say seven to 14 days typically before you harvest them they don't really need a lot of light so they can actually be grown under conditions that are less than ideal you know not a lot of sun um, just because they grow so quickly and the ideal soil temperature is about 60 to 75 degrees so I when I grow mine I Put them on a heating mat. You don't have to, but it helps germination. And the ideal air temperature is about 60 to 70 degrees, which is room temperature. So you don't really need to have uh, real bright light. You don't need to have grow lights, although that can help. As I say, because they grow so quickly, they don't really need as much light as a plant that you're gonna be growing for a couple of months. So they're ideal for growing indoors during the winter, especially if you live in a real cold climate, where, you know, during the winter, you have this long stretch of time where you can't really grow anything outside. Um, So you can certainly grow things in the house. So a windowsill is great, um, gives it just enough light for the plants to photosynthesize a little bit before you harvest them.
0: I would strongly recommend people get a seed propagation kit. It it solves a whole host of problems. It'll keep those young seedlings warm. And it allows a place for water to drain off that you can easily empty. There's a lot of seed propagation kits available online. The cost ranges from $25 to $75. The good ones usually have a high dome, a tray, that has a slightly raised bottom that allows the water to go even lower and many of them come with seed trays and that makes the job a heck of a lot easier as well and they have a propagation heating mat as well that you were talking about and by having one of those kits uh, it makes it easy in fact uh, you're going to get hooked on growing things in basically what is an indoor greenhouse.
1: Right. And I do have those same kits. I've assembled one over the years. So I have the heating mats. I have the humidity domes. I have the long trays. But what's nice about growing microgreens is you can recycle containers. So I save deli containers because they have a little lid that pops off. I wash them really well. You want to have everything sanitized. I poke drain holes in the bottom of the deli container, put my potting mix in there, plant my seeds and then I use the lid uh, as a humidity dome, If so I keep that on top. So you don't have to go to the expense of getting this uh, elaborate seed starting uh, setup. I highly recommend you do that, however, because you can do a little, so many other things. You can start your tomatoes and peppers and things like that uh, indoors, but you don't have to. And if you just put it in a warm spot for germination, um, that works just fine. And then as soon as the... Seeds germinate, take that lid off so that you don't have uh, keep trapping too much humidity. And yes, you do want to be sure to have some sort of a tray on the bottom to catch the water because you do need to have drainage holes in your container.
0: Exactly. You need to um, not allow that soil that is growing those uh, microgreens to get too soggy. It it needs drainage, and that's why the... uh, propagation uh, kits with that bottom with the uh, ribbed bottom to allow the water to drain even lower is is ideal smart pots are the original award-winning fabric planter they're sold worldwide smart pots are proudly made 100 in the usa smart pots are also bpa free there's no risk of chemicals leaching into the soil your herbs vegetables and other edibles that's why organic growers prefer smart pots smart pots breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants pots come in a wide array of sizes, and they can be reused year after year. Speaking of the cold weather that's on the way, if a frost or freeze is in the forecast moving your frost tender plants that are in the smart pots that have handles makes them even easier to move closer to the house for added warmth or you could even move them inside for the winter visit smartpots.com slash fred for more information about the complete line of smart pots lightweight fabric containers it's smart pots the original award-winning fabric planter go to smartpots.com slash fred for more info and that special farmer fred discount on your next smart pot purchase Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Let's get back to our conversation with master gardener and vegetable expert Gail Pothour about growing microgreens indoors during the winter. We talked about the, the fact that there are fast-growing and slow, slower-growing varieties of microgreens you can grow. Let's talk about fast-growing. And when we're talking fast-growing, 10 to 15 days until they're harvested. And that's the other thing we didn't mention is how to harvest a microgreen. So you're planting seeds, you wait 10 or 15 days, and then what, you clip them with a the scissors?
1: Yeah, they kind of like give them a haircut. So a, a clean pair of sharp scissors. Kind of hold on to the the upper portion of the microgreens, kind of a handful, and then just clip them just above the soil line. So You don't want to get a lot of uh, potting mixed in with your microgreens if you can help it. But you can always <clears throat> kind of rinse those off afterwards. But, yeah, it's really easy. Just give them a haircut. And I would suggest that whatever you grow, be sure that it's something that's edible. And so the best choices are cool season crops. Like leafy greens, herbs, or edible flowers, as you mentioned, Fred. So I would forget about growing something like tomato microgreens oh, because yeah. they're not edible. You know, they contain solanine, which is toxic. I would say just be sure that anything that you grow for microgreens need to be edible. They need to um, you know be an edible flower or an herb that that would be edible as its mature counterpart. Anything in the Nebraska or cabbage family would be perfect. So arugula, broccoli, cabbage. Kale, kohlrabi, even radishes. And speaking of radish, I just ran across a variety that is not hairy. Uh, Radishes have a hairy leaf, and I'm kind of a textural person. It gives me, I don't know, kind of disturbs me a bit to have this hairiness on my tongue when I eat radish leaves. But there's a new variety out that is hairless. It's uh, carried by Kirazawa seed. I think they're in the Bay Area, and it's called... I don't know how to even say it. die hmm. So if you want to grow radishes and you're bothered by the hairiness of the leaves of radishes, that's a variety you can grow. We'll but have- anyway, you can also grow things like chard, right. beet, peas, nasturtiums. Any annual herb like basil or cilantro or partially would work well as well.
0: We'll have a link to Kitazawa Seed. They're based in Berkeley or Oakland. We'll have a link to Kitazawa Seed in the show notes. They have a lot of of great Asian vegetables uh, that would be ideal for this situation we're talking about. Oh, yeah.
1: All the bok choys and patsoys
0: and all those Asian greens are perfect for uh, growing as microgreens. Mm -hmm. And uh, to uh, go back to Johnny Seed's list of microgreen varieties that are fast growing, they include borage, celosia, Salad, burnet, sorrel, uh, arugula, broccoli, cabbage, the Chinese cabbages, collard, cress, if you want to grow that, kale. I'm going in alphabetical order. You could probably tell. Uh, kohlrabi, <laughs> kohlrabi, maizuna, uh, mustards, the pock choys, like we mentioned. Uh, they, they may mention several radish varieties and uh, something that I'm not familiar with called tatsoi. Yeah, those would
1: all be perfect. Those are all cool season crops. And uh, they're ideal for growing as microgreens. I do want to mention that when you are growing the microgreens, I think I mentioned earlier, if you're recycling a container, be sure it's clean. You don't want any contamination. And you don't need to have a deep container either, something that just has an inch or two of soil, because the roots are not going to be growing long enough to need a deeper container in order to, to develop the roots, because you're going to harvest them in a week or two. And then... After you plant your seeds, put them on the soil surface, kind of tamp them in a little bit, maybe sprinkle on a little more potting mixture, and give them a spritz to put on your plastic wrap or whatever you're using for a dome to hold in the humidity. As soon as the seeds germinate, take that lid off, take it off the heat, and put it under lights, whatever lights, on uh, your windowsill or grow lights that you're using. And then when you continue to water... Start watering from the bottom. So whatever tray you have your container in, fill that with water, set the container down, let it soak up from the bottom, then remove it, let it drain, pour the water out of the bottom tray. Because if you start watering from the top, once those plants get to grow, they're really fragile and you can knock them over and you know, kind of smash them a little bit. So it's easier to water them from the bottom once they have germinated.
0: Unless you have a really fine mister of a watering system indoors to do that.
1: Right. And I have done that, but I have noticed that as the plants get a little bit taller, you know, I like them an inch or two tall before I harvest them. When even with my fine mister, it does tend to weight them down and knock mm. them over.
0: Among the uh, slower growing microgreens that you can grow indoors, and these take about 16 to 25 days uh, to get up to an inch or two tall basil who, who thought of that basil cilantro uh, dill fennel marigolds even and among the slow growing vegetables and again slow is only 16 to 25 days that's not bad amaranth bull's blood beet uh the yellow beets uh carrots uh, chard that you mentioned earlier, even dandelions, uh, purslane, scallions. There's a lot out there that you can be growing indoors as microgreens. So it might be uh, ideal to have two trays, if not more than two trays, one with uh, the fast-growing varieties and one with the slower-growing varieties.
1: Right, because I when I first started out, I combined uh, several different uh, varieties in one small little tray and then When I was ready to harvest the quick growing ones, it was kind of hard to do without damaging the ones that were still growing. So I would recommend growing them in separate trays or if you can identify the ones that germinate at the same rate, you could mix them that way. But if you wanna have a mix of microgreens, it might be better just to grow some small containers of individual and then mix them after you harvest them. That's kind of the easier way to go.
0: I guess one idea might be to save your old uh, egg cartons, uh, punch a small hole in the bottom of uh, each of the uh, cells and uh, grow it inside egg cartons.
1: Well, that's a thought. I had never occurred to me to do that, but you certainly could. Uh, Ordinarily, something that small and shallow is not recommended for growing plants because um, it takes longer for the plant to grow to seedling size if you're growing for seedling. And there's not enough root space. But for microgreens, because they don't grow that long, only a week or two, that shallow egg carton should
0: be ideal. Also, you don't have to be very exact, do you? When you plant the seeds for microgreens, you can actually sow them rather thickly and definitely don't use the spacing indicated on seed packets. If you look at that Johnny selected seeds suggestions for planting microgreens, they say that sowing six to eight large seeds per square inch is about right. And if they're small seeds, about 10 to 12 per square inch. And you know, you just, just kind of eyeball it when you uh, put those seeds in. And I would imagine, too, that since microgreens are harvested well before they reach maturity, they don't need to be thinned. And since they're growing for such a short time, they probably don't need to be fertilized either, do they? Right. Growing microgreens is easy, but I I think one very important tip is use, as you alluded to earlier, use a seed starting mix for your soilless mix you don't want to use soil from the garden and why wouldn't you want to use soil from the garden?
1: For a number of reasons. Um, Soil out of your garden will undoubtedly contain uh, microorganisms that could cause disease. So fungal spores, things like that. You don't want to have those microorganisms in your starting mix because it can affect the germination of the seeds. It could cause damping off or some other diseases. Plus garden soil is pretty dense It's um, not fluffy and doesn't let a lot of oxygen in. It's fine for growing out in the garden, but in containers, any type of container, garden soil is not recommended because it is too dense and water can't percolate through it very well. And it just doesn't allow enough oxygen exchange for the plant's roots. So get a good germination mix or a seed starting mix or even potting soil, which are generally peat based or core, which is from um, coconut husks and perlite and vermiculite, things like that, that allow for drainage. They can hold water, but it does allow a lot of oxygen and air to get in there. So something that is light and fluffy, and it's usually a commercial mix that you buy. So that's what I recommend highly.
0: Exactly. And you don't want to buy a bag labeled garden soil mix either. Right,
1: that's... right. And actually anything that has compost in it, um, unless it's commercially composted, I would steer away from that. I would hesitate to add the compost that I make in my compost pile because there still could be some disease spores in there and things like that. So I would stick with something that has peat or sphagnum moss or core with perlite vermiculite.
0: Right. Yeah. Peat, perlite, vermiculite is the usual combination in those uh, seed starting mixes. One tip, though, peat moss and even for that matter, core are very difficult to keep moist. And one easy trick is to, when you buy a bag of uh, the seed starting mix, cut off the top, set the bag outside upright, fill it with water, and let it sit for a few hours in all that water. And that will then pre-moisten it, and then you don't have to worry about the chance of it drying out as you're growing your uh, microgreens.
1: Right. So when whatever you're using, whatever potting mix you're using, be sure it is pre-moistened. So uh, in the container that I have my potting soil, I make sure that it's moist. I then put that in my container, my deli container or whatever I'm using, uh, tamp it lightly and then put in the seeds and water it again. If you're putting the seeds directly in a dry potting media, it might be very difficult to get the whole area moistened if you're watering from the top. So be sure it's pre-moistened before you plant the seed.
0: So after these microgreens are about an inch or two tall and you cut them off at the soil line with scissors, what do you do with them then, Gail?
1: Well, they are pretty fragile. So it's recommended that you harvest them just before you need them. So you've prepared your meal and you want to sprinkle them on a salad, go cut them and sprinkle them on your salad. However, um, they are able to be stored in the refrigerator. So once they're cut, put them in a plastic bag with a paper towel and they could store for several days. But what I learned um, the last time I did some microgreens, I had a small deli container with mustard, I think it was, and I didn't use it all. I stuck the whole container in the refrigerator and it lasted for several weeks. So then I was able to bring the container out, harvest what I wanted and put it back in. I didn't even put a plastic bag or anything over it, it was just a container itself in the refrigerator. So if you are using a small enough container where you can do that, it works great. I wouldn't recommend putting a big flat in your refrigerator. But anyway, was able to keep the microgreens fresh. They didn't continue to grow because the cold kind of stopped their growth, but it kept them fresh for at least two weeks.
0: Two weeks. Wow.
1: Yeah, okay. I was amazed.
0: So that if you find out that your family has a favorite one or two microgreen varieties that they really like, that would be a good idea is to grow them in smaller containers that uh, when you're ready to harvest them, you can just stick it in the refrigerator.
1: Right. I wouldn't recommend it for something like basil. Basil is pretty tender, and when you store basil, the herb, you know, if you buy a bunch of basil or harvest a big bunch of basil, if you put it in the refrigerator, the the leaves tend to turn black. So it isn't a great thing to do with basil because it doesn't respond to cold temperatures very well. But most others of the brassicas or anything in the cabbage family, the cool season crops, would be just fine in the refrigerator.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that's how you get dirt under your fingernails in the (laughs) wintertime.
1: Absolutely. Yes,
0: then that's what we're going for here. And again, in today's show notes, you're going to find a complete list of resources where you can find out more information about microgreens, as well as the seed propagation kits and a lot more. We've been talking with Sacramento County Master Gardener Gail Pothauer. Gail, thanks for turning us on to microgreens. Something to do, something the whole family can do indoors during the winter. Thank you, Fred. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. We have links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, a link to the FarmerFred.com website. That's where you can find out more information about the radio shows. Y- you remember radio, right? Now, if the place where you access the podcast doesn't have that information, you can find it all at our home podcaster, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout.com. Just look for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. The Garden Basics podcast is going to a winter schedule, maybe just like your favorite local nursery. November through January, Garden Basics will come out once a week on Fridays. Then as the weather warms back up in February, we'll return to our twice a week schedule. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate that you've included us in your garden life.